Hey everybody, welcome back to Beers and Careers. This is Mark Agustinelli, your host, and as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the good folks at the Davis Companies, www.daviscoes.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. And if you've heard anything about the labor market, even with all the layoffs going on, there are still two jobs for everyone on unemployment. So if you're looking to win the war on talent, reach out to the folks at the Davis Companies, engineering, IT, and manufacturing professionals. Um, today's guest is Josh Levy. I uh, got introduced to Josh um, through a buddy and uh, what a phenomenal guy with an incredible work ethic and just a passion for what he does. And I think he's got some really good advice for uh, younger folks starting out, trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives, but also a really interesting perspective. And I think uh, personally for someone who spends a little bit of time down in Atlanta, really interesting to see how us in the Northeast are uh, kind of learning from um, what's going on in the real estate world down south as it, as it pertains to uh, commercial real estate. So check out the uh, podcast. Really had a great conversation with Josh, and I think you're going to love it. Without further ado, Josh Levy. Nice to meet you. Cheers. Thanks for coming on Beers and Careers. Thank you. Uh, what are you drinking today that came with it? A knee-deep brewing? Ever since I became a suburban dad, I started loving <laughs> IPAs and some other stuff. Yeah. But, uh, Courtside by Knee Deep Brewing. Okay. And Thank got, you for that. No worries. I've got a Modelo Negro. All right. So here we here we go. So um, before we dive into what you do for a living and how you got there, get so the audience can get to know you. Give me your, what is your favorite cocktail? IPAs. IPAs and uh, everybody makes fun of me for this, but uh, the butteriest Chardonnay that you can find. Oh I really? Love it. I don't know what it is. Okay. All the neighbors make fun of me. They all, all the, the moms keep like an extra bottle of buttery Chardonnay in case that's I come right. over. That's but uh, favorite cocktail would be, I'd say, a good quality rum. Oh. Mixed with cherry coke. Okay. And uh, my wife got me Florida Cana for my 40th oh. last year from Nicaragua. Is that Nicaragua? Yeah. Unbelievable. And of course I go and ruin it with cherry coke. But hey. my grandfather would kill me mixing really? a good liquor with uh, soda, but... Hey, that's, that's my favorite cocktail. Yeah, you get to do whatever you want to do at this point, right? Uh, are you, uh, do you curse? Do you have a favorite curse word? I drop a lot of F-bombs. Yeah, that's the perennial favorite. Yeah, that will, now we have a three-year-old and a nine-month-old, and uh, they're picking up pretty quickly. It's so very hard. Be very careful at all. It is, it is very hard. How about, uh, are you a quote guy? Any favorite quotes? Oh, man, I don't know where to start. Um, oh, so you're into it. Winston Churchill, never, never, never give up. Mm. Um, if you sleep close to the floor, you're not going to get hurt when you're falling out of bed. Nah. That's a value investing quote. Um, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. Yeah. Whoever said that, I think that's very accurate, whether that's fitness, health, yeah. health you know, relationships. Mm. Um, like that. Show me your budget, and I'll tell you what you really value. Mm. Makes sense that the investment guys got the investment uh, I love the Michael Jordan one, which I'll absolutely butcher, but something along the lines of 23 times I've missed the game-winning shot. I have failed thousands and thousands and thousands of times, and that's why I'm successful, because right. I keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. along those lines. Dude, I like it. All right, so you're into it. You're into quotes, too. Oh, Sometimes I talk to people, and they're like, no, man, I don't look at quotes. And I'm like, ah. I feel like it's a good way to get a little quick inspiration for the day. I love it. Uh, Warren Buffett has a great one about not speaking out on trends of the day or politics and getting in hot water. Ah. He says I could, uh, you know, with his com- his comments, he has a big following. I, you know, right. <laughs> who am I? But 
that can make a lot of people sustainably mad at me for things I speak out on publicly mm. versus a couple people, you know, fleetingly, temporarily happy. Ah. It's pretty wise. It's a great, it's a great It really point. is. Really looking at things at a very high mm-hmm. level, too, which the man does well. <laughs> um, what was your first job? I grew up down in Falmouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, my best friend, also named Josh, and I would, uh, he lived next to Woodbarter Golf Club. Okay. We were probably nine or ten. We'd go into the woods or the bottom of the lake and yeah. uh, find golf balls, clean them up in his garage, and put them in an egg cart, and then just go hawk them to golfers until they'd chase us off the course. No way. Them. And then uh, when I was 11 or 12, I started a landscaping business with another friend, and we had about Ended up having about 10 or 12 friends working for us, Levy Gray Landscaping. And um, yeah, into 13, 14, 15, we'd be out there with chainsaws or doing mulch beds or putting uh, a wooden retaining wall up or doing paving, which is a horrible yes, experience. Job, yeah. And um, I loved that. I, I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to just keep, keep going on the landscaping yeah. business. But I, I loved being outside, loved the hard work. And, Miss that, dude. That's very cool. I uh, and so did you do that all the way through high school? Okay. Did it all the way through high school. Wow. Um, you started when you were twelve. You said. Yeah, eleven mm-hmm. or twelve. On yeah. That. Wow. And, um, that just kind of got bit with the the, bug. the entrepreneurial bug, and I am having such a hard time reconciling the fact that we have we hired landscapers now at home, and I'm like, my son Lucas should see me outside yeah. toiling in the field. Spreading mulch, chopping down trees, doing everything I did growing up, so you'd have a great work ethic, and uh, it's killing me. It so. <laughs> oh, you and I are going to get along. I feel very similar about um, both those topics. I have a son named Lucas. Oh, and I feel very similar. Seven year old? Uh, no, he's my five year old. Thomas and Lucas are my two boys. So, how can you hear Ethan's nine months. Cool. Lucas is turning three. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah, I. it's funny. Uh, we bounced around, and actually, Bob, the owner of the company, is always like, why do you cut your own lawn? And I'm like, nah, dude. Like, there's very few things I get immediate gratification in, and uh, I love being in the dirt. You know what I miss is I'm just waiting for the day. Actually, this came out horribly the other day when I was telling my family. I'm like, <laughs> you know what I fantasize about? <laughs> Two 12-year-old boys coming up to our door, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, let me rephrase that. Yeah. But, um, it's a lost art. Like I, I can't wait for the day that two neighborhood kids come and knock on our door yeah. and say, "Hey, can we do your landscaping?" And I've played it out in my mind. I'm going to shoot them down really hard. Yeah. They walk away with their heads down, dejected. And I'm like, "Come on, come back and pitch me again." Yeah. And of course, you know, work with them. Do everything you can with them, and uh, but nobody does that anymore. No. The door to door. No. Uh, You're right. On the ground. You're right. Especially, especially in uh, suburban Boston, it's like weird to knock on people's doors now. Yeah, if somebody rings our doorbell, we panic. Right. <laughs> Sebastian Maniscalco is yeah, great. Exactly. Uh, skin about that one. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I would love to talk about some of those topics you just mentioned because I'm sure they've helped you in your career. But what what do you do today? So I'm a uh, lifestyle community developer, shopping center, mixed use, okay. and now healthcare developer okay um, co-founded that about 20 years ago with my really good friend and partner right out of college so I uh, said I didn't want to go to college I did end up going to school and um, rented apartments all four years in college got okay. a real estate license yeah was the top broker at uh, BC yeah and rented to students and off-campus families and loved it loved it loved it loved it and shout out to Ryan Devin my first boss and mentor there 
And at the same time, I was lucky enough to meet Joel Wilder. Okay. He founded the Wilder Manly Companies. They were a huge mall developer. Oh. And his son Tom runs it now and is now a um, partner and good friend on some projects. But they started demalling and doing lifestyle centers throughout the 90s and 2000s. And so I got an internship there all four years of school. Yeah. And that was amazing. And, and for the recent college grad or someone like who is more ignorant, describe a lifestyle center. So it used to be in closed malls. Yeah. And then it turned to these lifestyle centers where developers and retailers realized you could go, instead of going into a huge enclosed mall, you could go into an outdoor shopping center. And it's more convenient. The yes. parking's right there. You can go in and out. Like Derby Street and Hingham? Exactly. Derby okay. Street, Legacy Place, yeah, okay. et cetera. Um, Blueback Square in yeah. Connecticut, and that the retailers realize they'll do even more sales volume in that environment at even lower cost. Because in the mall, you're probably paying $50, $80 a square foot in what they call extra charges okay. to heat and air condition this giant place uh, and mall security and everything else. So here you could do more sales volume in a more convenient location. Mm. And that was really the birth of a lifestyle center. And lifestyle was some of the fancier stuff with yeah. the Talbots, Chico's, White yeah. House Market, Whole Foods, but you also had large power centers where they just dropped a bunch of big boxes. Yeah. A Home Depot, Lowe's, oh, okay. BJ's, okay. Pitcher, Hooks at Commons in uh, yes. New Hampshire. Yes. Or uh, Shops at Five that kind of fell apart. Right. And, uh, Does that include like the outlets, like a rent them outlets? And that would be oh, a different, completely different, different. animal okay. of discount outlets. Discount which outlets. I think yeah. I've always done really well. Yeah. And, um, but the mall, enclosed mall business went to lifestyle centers and power centers and grocery-anchored shopping centers. And now, over the last seven, eight, ten years, has really transitioned to mixed use. Yeah. It's overused in real estate, but live, work, play. Yeah. Picture, assembly row. Yes. Um, what we're doing up at Rock Row in Maine. But okay. it's apartments and medical and shops and restaurants all right there. Mm. So you never even need to leave. Yeah, so the same place you go to get your doctor's appointment is also where you have your your meal that night. And yeah. also your gym that you work out at. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that is, uh, it's interesting because like I don't think about it a lot like you do, right? You live it, so you think about that, but I don't think about um, anything other than you just saying I'd much prefer to go to like a outdoor style shopping center than I do a mall. Right. Like just in general, and from that, a consumer behavior standpoint. And that's why a lot of them are dying on the vine. And and then you look at, if you're living on a pro, in a project like that, yeah. you're going to want a Starbucks downstairs or a local coffee shop and restaurants and a beer hall and food hall and grocery right. store. And right. So if you get that right at the ground level, those upper levels will rent themselves and take care of themselves. Easily. And then on the healthcare side, which we're doing a lot of, there's you know sick patients, families, and staff, and it's nice to have those amenities. Yes. But we were just talking to an orthopedic group the other day, and they said, look, we replaced a lot of hips and knees, but our core customer is 35 to 55 years old. They had a sports injury, and they want to get back to peak performance. Our patients, our customers aren't sick, right? So right. they want to come to a nice, convenient environment on Main on Main, have Starbucks next door, and Orange Theory Fitness, and all these other things around. So. Our job as developers is to create that environment, that atmosphere that attracts customers and makes it easier for those businesses to recruit and retain talent. So how do you go from slang and condos at BC to this? <laughs> um, so 
I, I love the, uh, another quote I love is, I could have been somebody, but I forgot to be specific. Yeah. <laughs> so ever since I started interning at the Wilder Companies at age 17, the only thing I wanted to do with my life was be a shopping center developer. Okay. And I've just been so specific and put all of my energy towards that. I love picturing a magnifying glass in the sun, right? It's yeah. Harness yeah. all your energy towards that. But why, the, how did you choose that? I just love, I loved uh, creating something Working with no day, no two days are the same. Yes, you meet, you know, a, a local hair salon or restaurateur, and the next day you're working with Marshalls or DJ mm -hmm. Maxx, and then you're learning parts of the supermarket business, and then you're permitting, and you're dealing with city officials. But you have a huge impact on the community. Yeah. You can really create something that adds certainly tax revenues and jobs, but you have a chance to create something unique. Mm -hmm. And um, also, I love, I just love the idea of. Uh, excellence in whatever you do and so that's an opportunity where that that industry especially for the young college grads listening yes is one where the harder you work the farther you get ahead yeah the biggest thing that scared me was being stuck in a nine-to-five cubicle where you know you had your 401k and your salary was fixed and no matter how hard you worked you weren't gonna break that level right so, uh, and if, at the same time if I fail that's on me no, I, so, I same that, reason I got into sales. Out. Same reason I got into sales because it was because you just didn't want the glass ceiling. What drew you into that? Um, no two days being the same. I knew like I, I knew I wanted an office environment, but I didn't want to live there all the time. I wanted to be out with customers, those types of things. And then what I didn't know about sales that got me uh, more jacked as I went was you get you gotta deal with all the facets of the business, right? There's finance and procurement. There's legal. I mean, you get your feel like you get your MBA without going to school. I love that you said that because in sales, just like in leasing and commercial real estate, there's a lot of people that are just transactional yes. at the service level. But to your point, to be really good at it, that cross-training in the property management side or accounting or human resources or finance, as you said, it just it helps round it out and you can put yourself in the customer's shoes better, right? And don't you feel like when you're maybe talking to someone, let's just say, for example, I've got a buyer, but I've got to deal with someone in procurement or finance. That's not my buyer, but they're a stakeholder. When you show that you care about how your solution affects them too, you, it, they, you automatically are on a different level. And it's it's not, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. You can still get the sale without it, but man, I think it makes it so much easier to retain your customers. And then also when they leave, they go somewhere, they take you with them. It's just, it's, uh, I'm a big fan. It's why I loved your comment about uh, the yard work is because I, I grew up doing uh, landscaping. Park school in Brookline. No kidding. Yep. Uh, Tom Campbell from Dedham got me the job. Uh, too funny, but... Um, Doing that, and then I, when I, I got a chance to live overseas for a little bit, laying pavers and doing that kind of like real grunt work. And where, where was that? Australia, actually. I lived, uh, lived in Australia for about a year and a half after college. Playing the cross, but I only went over with like 800 bucks, so I was working. Uh, air filter technician, then laying pavers, framing houses, just good awesome. blue collar manual awesome. labor jobs. Man, that work ethic, you take that mindset and apply it to a business, it's, it's, uh, it's like cheating on the test, I think. So like I, and we were joking about our two young boys, but I, I really hope that uh, I'm able to instill the same values. And I think, I think there's no better way to do it than that. Because I think sports are good and you can play them and it helps, but it's not the same as moving five yards of mulch. Yeah, modeling. It doesn't <laughs> care, you know? Like it's just like that mulch doesn't care how you feel today, <laughs> you know? So, um, 
No, really cool. So that's interesting how you got into that. And I, so you you said you started, you, you got into healthcare more recently. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So uh, I started by interning at that company. Wow, yeah. there, you know, it was, I just got bit by the bug. Yes, yeah. sucked in. Wanted to do that and was very specific about this is what I want to do. And it's just been so lucky to have so many mentors mm. that have been willing in New England to take me under their wing and teach me that business. And, and that, that would be my biggest advice to somebody coming out of college is find some older mentors that yes. so many people are, are happy, willing, and so generous with their time um, and have made all the mistakes that we're going to make already. Yes. They can really show you the path. So And they want to they help. I have a theory about mentorship and I'm interested in your response because it's a common theme on this podcast. These people are always talking about their careers and they're always giving props to mentors along the way. And I think I haven't met a successful person I wouldn't give a shout out to a mentor. So it makes sense. I, I, I don't think that uh, mentors find you. I think you find your mentors. And I think it comes from your passion and curiosity for the work and someone else recognizes it. As opposed to like, I think there's a lot of people out there like, oh, go find a mentor. It's like, ah, I think you gotta work on yourself. And I think when, you, when you're doing the right things, the mentors kind of gravitate towards you, a little bit of law of attraction. What do you think about that? Uh, it's a great point of if there's not passion there who's going to want to help you right exactly I'd yeah love to help someone that's passionate and hungry and willing to work hard right yes and do the right thing and follow up and so i just feel like there's people i've mentored and i never asked if i could be their mentor they kind of pushed the envelope with me yeah and it became a natural process and then i made me reflect and be like i guess i did the same thing with other people same here i just started doing that but i'm very fortunate to still be being mentored by a bunch of same. bunch of folks and uh it makes a huge difference. It so, really does. So your mentors took you in. How long did you work there before you went on your own? So I worked there for four years okay. through college interning. Yep. Then I spent one year after I graduated working for a uh, slumlord that owned 477 apartments in 19 different communities in wow. Mass. Whoa. Everything from a single family in Arlington to 100 units in the Riverway or Stonington. Oh, wow. And had gone down to Florida to retire. Okay. And um, for 500 bucks a week, I ended up running the portfolio with another mentor, uh, Paul Matalizio, okay. great, great real estate guy and guy, and uh, learned so much mm. about the residential business. Okay. And the guy was extremely tough to work for, but I respected him, and he was a tough boss. But you learn a lot yes. because of that. And so I was 21 or 22, and went to my really good friend and, and mentor on commercial real estate, Neil Shalom, who's 22 years older than me and my current partner, okay. with two other friends, and we said, if we uh, if we throw in the 50 grand that we've each saved during college, my yeah. apartments, and we find a shopping center that makes sense to buy, we do all of the work, would you consider maybe possibly signing on the loan so that we could, as a guarantor, so that we could get a, a loan? And he said, you know, maybe I think about it. Yeah. And so I quit my job the next day, and I called Neil, and I said, I'm in. He goes, in for what? <laughs> so, shit, what have I done? Yeah, right. And uh, he's, he's great. He's unbelievable. So you go all, you're all in. We were all in. That's and awesome. we spent the next nine months scouring LoopNet, which was a waste of time, looking at yeah. 3,000 listings and driving around. Just And um, he was very good at teaching us how you spent 30 seconds on an mm. opportunity mm. to then see if it's worth spending 30 minutes on and back of the envelope. Yeah. And then, then spend an hour in a, in a couple of days because ah. it's it's too easy to waste a lot of time. Get sucked in, yeah. And um, 
we eventually found a property in Carver, Mass. Okay. Next to Plumpton. Yeah. And uh, we bought it. It's a 75,000 square foot shopping center. And we failed so spectacularly. <laughs> when they say fail, fail big, I need fireworks. Tell me. We yeah. lost Shaw's Supermarket, CVS, Family Dollar. Oh. We lost every single tenant except for Vanity Hair. Shout out to Heidi and Rose, who they're amazing, who are still with us today. Wow. And we spent money along the way. I mean, yeah. It was pathetic. We made every rookie mistake you could possibly make. We're never buying another property that's being marketed with a four-color glossy brochure. Right. Because everybody and their brother had passed on it. We just mm. didn't realize it. Mm. And we were cocky and thought we knew what we were doing. I think we'll finally make money on that next year, 17, 18, wow. 20 years later. Wow. We stuck with it. We yeah. put in Dollar Tree and a fitness place and tractor supply and, yeah. and now all of a sudden the residential market's really hot so we may actually look like we were smart through that one yeah. but it got us in the game and yes. we started going to the conventions and started meeting with or pulling on the shirt sleeves of retailers like TJX and PetSmart you know please would you talk to us for real estate developers and nobody would give us the time of day and then we bought a piece of land in West Bridgewater okay, Massachusetts on Route 106 yeah and uh, we did everything ass backwards. We didn't have a tenant, we didn't have permits, we put the traffic light in first, mm. and we just knew it was a great location mm. for a supermarket. Shaw's had closed to the north, Hannaford was doing about $23 million a year in five corners, and we stuck with it um, to the point where I remember at one of the conventions, someone at Hannaford pulled me aside and said, we keep track of every time you talk to us, reach out you've contacted us 17 times about this project just stop please <laughs> so we eventually ended up buying six or eight well, we assembled eight more properties we bought a tire place a glass place a boat storage yard relocated four families this was the dangerous road with wow. cars flying by yeah. we found them great homes on the other side of town and we assembled 12 acres and we did a fantastic project with market basket supermarket who i'm a huge fan of Awesome. And uh, they opened and blew the doors off of it. Uh, they actually put Hanford out of business in five quarters. Did they really? And, uh, wow. and it was a hired over 500 people. They really done a great job and provide great value in that community. But that kind of got us started on the development side. Mm. So we've started developing shopping centers from there. And we've grown to the second largest active retail developer in New England. We have about 70 properties. Primarily shopping centers, some mixed use, healthcare, a few office, and seven or eight years ago started to get more into the mixed use we were talking yes. about. But now we've also launched a healthcare division okay. for medical real estate that I'm so passionate and excited about. We are driving a truck through uh, right now. Wow! And so, you are, is the model changed? To where you no longer buy existing properties, you just buy land and develop it yourself, or do you, or do you turn over properties? That's a great well? question. For yeah. as long as we've been doing this, which is 20 years, we've always said we'd rather buy an existing property okay. that we could redevelop and add value to because there's stable income to start. Right. Somehow we always end up stuck in a development deal that <laughs> okay. takes 10 years. Okay. So it's been the 80-20 ratio the wrong way, but um, it's hard to find good projects and sites too, especially in, in the Northeast oh, or in right. New England. Um, yep. Land is such a premium here. Yeah. Land is such a Never premium. Never seems to go down. No. Do you, um, I got to ask you, because I, so we've got an office in Atlanta that I've recently started going down to a lot more the last couple of years than Minnesota. And I feel like other parts of the country look dramatically different in their development at times. And, it, it, and one of the things I've 
I love and my wife loves about when we, we go down to Atlanta for the Christmas party is they've got like these newly zoned town centers, if you will, with a green space. Kind of like we have a common in Hopkinton, but it's zoned for drinking, right? And you can buy a beer at the counter and walk around and they're shopping. Like, do you feel like any of that's coming this way up north or am I missing it up it's here? It's so funny there? you say that. If we do our job right, it yeah. will be. Okay. And so we've okay. got a hundred acres in Portland and Westbrook, Maine. This is what you were talking about. What, what's that project called? It's called Rock Row. Rock Row. Shameless okay. plug for yeah, yeah, no, Rock right, 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 right. But it was a 110 acre abandoned quarry that was oh. partially contaminated abandoned, fenced off, and yet it's on the front door, right off the highway. There's two exits yeah. coming in, um, partially in the city of Portland, Maine, and partially in Westbrook, which okay. is the fastest growing city. In yes. And uh, just sitting there dormant for 10 years. It was going to be a Walmart with okay. a Sally Beauty and a Hobby Lobby, and no knock on that because we've yeah. done a lot of those with just a sea of parking, yes. one story. And that went south in 2017, and we stepped in and bought it. In 2017? 2017, okay. and we said, you know what? This area deserves so much better than this, mm. and the site especially. So we ripped up all the plans and went back to the drawing board, and we did two things. One was what I call a research and discovery tour. Mm. And I and some of our team went to 27 different cities and towns around the country, crawling through mixed-use projects, what works, what doesn't, that we can bring back to bear to the Rock Row project. Yeah. We didn't make a call at that at the time. And a lot of Rick Caruso stuff in Southern California. Okay, I don't know. Uh, the I'm Grove, talking. Santana okay. Row, Americana and Brand. There's some great projects in Texas like Toyota Music Factory, The Domain in Austin, mm. or Legacy West in Plano. But our favorite project that I am so obsessed with, I've been to over 15 times, is a project in Atlanta, just north of Atlanta, called Avalon. Alpharetta, Georgia. Alpharetta, Georgia. Dude, I'll be there in three weeks. That's what I was I, I, I know. I can, I, I, I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, Mark Toro, uh, okay. North American Properties, and yeah. he's, he's given some great advice. Okay, uh, developed it, and it's one of the most successful projects ever in the country. Okay, and we have shamelessly cloned a lot of aspects. It's incredible. One of them is we got the legislation changed with with help from the city of Westbrook and the state of Maine to create a entertainment district, yes. which is an open container policy. Yes, and it's not to have a wild no. egg party. No, no. Egg party no it's not site, for raves. But it's, it's just, great. Yeah, yeah, it's not for but it changes the yeah. dynamic of a family on a Saturday. 100%. You're going to hang out there all day. Exactly. You get to the playground and you don't want to leave. Yep. You're like, I'll hang out here. And, and tactically, that's what we chase is dwell time, right? Yes. We create an environment that yes. gets you to dwell spend time. Okay. more time on site because you'll spend more money at the stores. Everyone does better and it, it becomes a part of the community. The other thing that we're cloning, shamelessly cloning from them is this idea of an outdoor concierge. Yes. Nobody, for whatever reason, in New England has done this yet on mm. an open air shopping center and mixed use project, not Assembly Row or any right. of the other ones that I love, great yeah. projects. So it's gonna be very approachable. We have an Experts Carlton executive uh, already on board to help train. So uh, I think that adds a nice high level of touch to residents, everything else. And so we did that research and discovery tour and Avalon is so incredible, but you can't just pick that up and drop that. You can't, yeah. There and expect it to feel right. right. So at the same time we formed 36 local partnerships and god bless my wife erin for putting up with this but three four nights a week and we were in market yeah and i i really pride ourselves in that i think we spend more time than anybody i know 
talking to residents, mm -hmm. stopping people in parking lots, which freaks them out sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> what yeah. do you want? What do you need? What are you missing? Talking to store managers, etc. And we joined over 40 local uh, organizations and partnerships, including our uh, partnered with over 30 or 40 local organizations, the My Place Teen Center, mm -hmm. Discover Downtown Westbrook, which is a great organization, uh, the Muskie School at University of Southern Maine for Sustainable Development and Environmental Design. Uh, I could go on and on, but finding out what do people want and need. Because right. when it comes to creating these types of communities, it's not about what we want to see there. Right. It's what do you want and how can we deliver on that. Right. And that was re really led to the birth of Rock Row, which at full build-out will be a $700 million project, 2.7 million square feet of shopping, retail, restaurants, food hall. Uh, we just broke ground on an enormous medical and research campus with New England cancer specialists in right, cool. Farber, and we're really looking to break the mold with that. Hotels, uh, mm -hmm. there's a huge quarry we're redeveloping. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's the way of the future and a place where you're really creating a sense of community that people want to spend time at. If they work there or live there, they never want to leave. Yes. And that you also pull a lot of people in from the region and provide them with experiences that are always fresh and, and exciting. So when will that project be completed? Uh, so we opened the first phase with a Market Basket, REI, Chick-fil-A, okay. Chase Bank, Starbucks. That, uh, by the way, that Market Basket's top 25 in the United States. Already. Wow. And we just broke ground on the medical and research campus, the next okay. uh, 350 luxury apartments. And then we have all the other phases. So it's going to take another five years to get everything yeah. up and running. Yeah. So that so that puts you at 2027, 20, 2028. 20, yep. And so almost 11 years. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I think I'll be living in the bottom of the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's that is uh, that's really cool. I I'm, I was so interesting to hear about your the research you got to do out of state, but then you just can't prescribe it when you come back home. Yeah, I hate the cookie cutter feel that, especially retail and these places have taken on around our country. It's very un New Englandy too. Yeah, it's terrible. You, yeah. you can close and open your eyes, and you don't know if you're at a shopping center or mall in Seattle or Dallas or Boston. It's all the same. So it what is. makes it unique is is some great local restaurants and incubator space and, and breweries and having programming. So mm -hmm. at some of our other projects in New Hampshire, for instance, we do mommy stroller races and. Uh, you know, face painting and uh, bouncy house events. We did an outdoor movie night last year, and uh, I forgot to contact the landscapers, and uh, the sprinklers went off during the opening credits. It's a disaster. <laughs> people are running for the hills. We're posting on Facebook. We're sorry, we come back, yeah. and I think we got four people back, but um, we've since fixed that. It happens. But those type of events and programming—that that's what really makes it a a center of the community. So. Yes. Sorry, this all started when you said a great town green, and I knew you were talking about no, that. Honestly, that's, Atlanta. I find it so Atlanta. interesting because I, you know, a couple things. First off, your joke about the sprinklers going off. I think, uh, I think, oftentimes when I was a younger person getting out of college, aspiring to be successful, I thought that successful people had it all figured out. And then you, I think, one of the that's one of the biggest lies, right? I mean, it's like everyone's still figuring it out, and they're still making mistakes along the way. So, like you. Uh, bringing that sprinkler story up so nonchalantly and like kind of like hey we messed up and we'll fix it again I think it's kind of like something that I'd love 
for a college student to know that like, hey man, it's messy the whole way. I'll tell you, I mean, it, by the way, both as landscapers, you and I, Mark, yes, that, yes. that should never happen. Right, exactly. <laughs> I spent this entire segment talking about all the mistakes we made and mm -hmm. are still currently making as right. we go. And uh, and I don't think of myself as successful and probably never will. Right. And uh, have never compared myself to peers. I'm always trying to get to that next level. Exactly. And I think that's great for high schoolers in sports playing with kids a couple older, years older than you makes you better exactly and then as you get to college and graduate just trying to see how you stack up against people 20 30 years your age and how to I always feel like I'm just trying, trying to catch up keeps you humble oh, yes. keeps you humble I make enough mistakes so yeah, yeah. Uh, it humbles me every day it's uh, it's very true no that's um, wow really cool so your your cycles are long Really long. How and now, like at this point, you you have got obviously you've mentioned market basket a couple of times. So now, are they coming to you, being like, we want to tackle this market, or is it like how does that partnership evolve over time? So we've done five projects with them. Okay. I think it's one of the best run companies in the hey, what's the family on that? the planet, yeah. uh, Mr. Demolis. Demolis. Yeah, I have yeah, learned yeah. more from him. Yes. Than any of the hundreds of books or any. He's, wow. The best businessman I've ever met in my okay. life. And they have such a focus on the customer. It's amazing. Mm. And their average store manager has been there 42 years. Wow. And you don't see them with a giant picture on the wall hiding somewhere. They're out there Talking stocking shelves and, and doing everything else. They're non-union. They um, And there's nothing wrong with unions, but I think that's yeah. very important in that industry. Yeah. And they only promote from within mm. fiercely. So you, yes. you all start the same way. Shagging carts or stocking shelves or working in the warehouse and right. work your way up. And a lot of grocery stores, they only let their employees stock shelves at night so they're mm -hmm. not getting in the way of the customer. Yes. No, this is a great chance to interact with the customer during the day. Oh, you're looking for that? Well, let me walk you over here and show you. Yes. So they are just obsessed with really providing value and putting money back into the customer's pocket. And they just do such a great job. But uh, do they? No, they. I, I don't think we'll ever reach the stage where... Uh, People are begging to work with us, yes. but um, no, it's if we find a good location, we'll go to them, and you know they certainly are extremely thorough and diligent in their evaluation. Right, and uh, then at that point, it's it's all about execution. Yeah, it's got to be so data driven at their level at that point, right? They know where they're going to be a good fit, I would guess. Yeah, and it's funny you say that. Um, in terms of data, we use in our industry, we use all the fancy software and. Yeah. Uh, site reports and Claridas and demographic info and gap summaries and analysis. I love just going out and talking to people, mm. uh, grabbing a notebook yeah. and chatting everybody up. That, that is the best information. Yeah, uh, gut, getting gut feel. Yeah, mud, right. your, mud in your boots and finding out what people really want yeah. and need. And I think that's so important in any industry. It's, I, I find myself stuck behind a computer sometimes and I have to remind myself, there are no tenants, communities, or projects in our floor. Like, get how the office go interact right. and right and keep your pulse That's on it. My first boss used to say that there's no customers here. Yeah, exactly. There's no there customers, no customers on the floor. Don't go be where the customers are. It's uh, which is interesting about the market basket model because they're almost integrating their employees with the customer all the time. Yeah, they're uh, phenomenal, phenomenal business. Taking advantage of it. Oh, really cool. So, like for you, when did uh, when did it become a career? Or was it always was it a career from the get go? When from you, age seventeen, yeah, interning at Wilder yeah. Companies, um, abstracting hundreds of leases, which mm -hmm. sucked. I bet. But 
you learn at commercial lease that way. And yes. Every single little clause. And you get reps. And you got reps. Exactly. You get so many reps. And uh, I've just been obsessed since then. And then the world's evolved into mixed use, which is exciting. But the medical passion. Um, yeah, I talked about that. That, that new healthcare division. Yeah, I just think it's, it's extremely exciting. I mean, we're in a our country of an aging population, more access to insurance than ever. Yeah. So therefore, healthcare volumes are only going to increase. And there's this big push to treat people more like customers or guests mm -hmm. and to do that out in the community. Yes. And um, my grandpa was a OBGYN, OB yeah. surgeon, OBGYN for 65 years. He's 96, knock on wood. Yeah. And my dad was Impressive. a cardiologist. Oh, and okay. um, such amazing work ethic. I yeah. think that's where I get that from. Yeah. I mean, incredible amount of hard work, discipline, and, and doing the right thing. And for whatever reason, I don't want to go into medicine, but I've always been really interested in that side of it, yes. especially the real estate component. And so uh, I think there's a great opportunity to help um, deliver projects with healthcare partners that the community really wants and needs. Mm. Uh, I think right now there's so many hospitals where it's just, we're, this new medical center we're building yes. at Rock Row and, and a few others are, we're trying to make it less sterile, intimidating, clinical-like, hospital-like, yes. and doing things like having sensitivity training for the valet, mm. healing gardens in the back. Yeah. Um, we shamelessly cloned Yale New Haven are doing outdoor infusion bays on this this project oh, cool. where you can get your infusion outdoors and God willing forget why you're even there for yeah. a few minutes, yeah. right? Connect to the nature trails and bring yeah. the outdoors in. And so I think we can always draw on our DNA as a retail developer, mm. an experiential developer, mm -hmm. to bring the experience side into healthcare, which uh, when you talk to uh, any of the community hospitals, physician practices, or large healthcare systems, they all want to do that. Either they don't know how, or it's it's really they hard. They want to break their own stereotypes. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And a lot of that's already institutionalized, and they have yes. so many things going on. Yes. Never mind delivering exceptional <laughs> clinical care. Right. To worry about creating that, it's hard. So that's that's the small part we like to play. Mm. And um, you know, we're under construction with a new surgical pavilion in Gardner, Massachusetts, okay. and Haywood Hospital, which is a wonderful community healthcare system out there, and uh, also working with some other larger healthcare institutions on ambulatory surgery centers, cancer centers, replacement hospitals, uh, sale leasebacks to help them monetize their real estate. Mm -hmm. A lot of hospitals are just hemorrhaging money right they now. They are, right? COVID. Do you, do you uh, I know one thing I forgot to mention with your project in Portland and Westbrook is, uh, I think the Globe had an article said that everyone's leaving Boston and moving to Portland, Maine. This Red, week, right? They, week. they did, and Redfin does a study Every year of where do millennials move oh, okay. when they leave Boston and New York, Portland, Maine was number one and number two. Respectively. But you couldn't have like you didn't have the uh, foresight to see that and, and you know right. <laughs> we'll claim it, but yeah, 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 yeah right. Blue, but crazy. But they even pre-COVID, you saw a lot of people moving there. Yes. Bon Appetit magazine named Portland, Maine, restaurant city of America. Wow. A few years ago, it and is a really cool vibe. It's unbelievable. It's a really cool. There's vibe. so many great restaurants chefs and it also is now number one beer city per capita yeah, in the right. United States That's which right. has surpassed Asheville, North Carolina. Wow. And the state of Maine has 154 breweries at last count. And uh, so you've got that going on, then you've got 40 million people a year visiting it. 
So Not eight, that far from Boston. Two hours from Boston by right. 95 or by the Downeaster right. um, Amtrak. Yeah. Uh, the rail, oh, and rail ferry as well, right. and uh, right. closest port to Europe. So there's a quarter mm -hmm. million cruise ship passengers coming in a year. And wow. Just a lot of exciting things going on yeah. there. And, a, and they've really struck a great balance between business and commerce and kind of outdoor lifestyle the way it should be. And I think New Hampshire has done the same, and that's why New Hampshire has been so successful in recruiting people to live there and businesses to locate there as well. Mm -hmm. So say, um, you know, you're clearly a guy that was, had passion from the get-go, right? Entrepreneur, cleaning golf balls. <laughs> that's a phenomenal story, by the way. But, like, how about the kid that's uh, graduating college and maybe doesn't feel like they um, they know what career they want to be in, so to speak. They went, they got their degree, they did everything they were told, but maybe they didn't, weren't as fortunate to have an upbringing that kind of exposed them to things. What advice would you give people as they're trying to find their way? Um, Don't worry, somebody told me this. Yeah. It's the best advice I ever got. Don't worry about what am I gonna do for the rest of my life. Mm. It's just what am I gonna do next? Yeah. Otherwise, especially graduating college, that is so much pressure on yourself. It is. You think you're picking something and you just sentence yourself to 50, 60 years and that's it. It's so, so true. Don't re no need for that. It's just, what am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. That would be the best. To your point, find a great mentor and you find them yeah. being yeah. extremely passionate. And, and I would say, especially for millennials, which is frustrating, it's yes. uh, hard work. Just, yes. You know, you make your own luck. Luck favors the ones that work hard, and the harder you work, the farther ahead you get. And, and just don't be afraid of rolling up your sleeves for decades and decades, and just mm. put the work in. And like, the time. and like I think, I think that's great. I think the advice you have about don't worry about the long term is such good advice because it almost takes care of itself if you're worrying about the short term all the time. And worry is the wrong word. Just like taking action, I think is really what you're saying. Just take action in the short term. I completely agree with that. Uh, I also read. My best friend sent me this book called Die With Zero. Oh yeah, Bill Perkins. Yeah. Unbelievable. Great dude. Changed my life for the last two years. All I've been doing is planning for the future and thinking yeah. about everything down the road. And it's like, you know what? It goes way too quickly. Mm -hmm. And my parents are turning 72 this year. And you know, God willing, they're around for a long time, but pretty soon they're not gonna be able to do certain things. And it's, um, he's very analytical about investing in experiences yes. every time you think about it and smile that's a dividend being paid but it's a great philosophy because there's a tendency to oversave to over plan to over worry about the future yeah. and not spend enough time in the present and, and chasing things as opposed to an experience it's 100 yeah and that the the things aren't going to make you happier it's the time 100 percent uh and being present and i struggle with that because oh, i'm so driven it's just how to be present with your your family and friends. I think and the kids help. You say you love. Kids help a you? little bit, right? The kids like almost. It, it, I'm with you. Being present's hard. Did you find they uh, taught you more patience? You definitely grown. Definitely more patience. And then there was a period of time where I got really concerned about the amount of time I was spending with my kids. Because similar to you, like. I, I'm a late night in the office kind of guy, and not because like I have anything other than I want to prove stuff to myself kind of thing on the road for work. I mean, like you said, you're in market all the time. And I, and I, and I just, uh, I don't know who it was. I might've been a podcast that I was listening to or something, but someone said, it doesn't matter how much time you spend with your kids. It matters how quality the time is. Hmm. And so I've been really focused on like the hours a week I get with my kids, be not having my phone, being really present. My kids both play hockey. Um, 
and in the beginning it was like holy shit I'm driving to a rank three times a week again and now I look at it just being like I get my kids for like two and a half hours in a car alone Make it count. and we just talk and then so that's I, I think it's definitely teaching me on how to seize moments as opposed to being so worried about the volume of time we're together and that that's that's been really helping me I think that's great and it makes me also feel better about my week you know it's like I'm I'm the kind of guy where it's like if I go to the gym four times a week, I'm happy. I don't care what I did. As long as I showed up and did it, I'm happy. And I used to take that mindset being like, well, as long as I'm with my kids every day, I'm happy. And, and it didn't work. It didn't translate for me. It's now it's got to be, okay, well, I'm with my kids. What are they going to remember about this? Can we bring this up later this week and joke about it? Stuff like that. So That's great. And with a seven and five-year-old, you're... Uh you're right in the thick of it. I'm thinking, I'm in the, I am in the thick of it every day. But I think I think your advice is good because I also think that there's kids graduating college that would look at maybe the staffing business or even real estate development as not sexy, like a Facebook or a Spotify, the shit that's in the news all the time, right? You're not in the news all the time. And so unfortunately, when you and I are in the news, sometimes it's for the wrong reasons. But, <laughs> but I think that like the non-sexy businesses are so much fun because when you're in them, um, they have their own contagion effect. It doesn't have to be for the for the top level. I think you start to find fulfillment and enjoyment in the minutia of it. I couldn't agree more yeah. and in striving for excellence. There's mm. something really fun and exciting about that. And, and yeah, the sexier flash in the pans are... are uh, They've got their marketing appeal. It's a repeating yeah, technique. It, it works, but I think if you, if you end up liking it for the right reasons, and I, I honestly think the advice you gave of like, take action, and worry about what's in front of you. I really think that's the best advice because it really is the only thing you can control. But I think that's also how you end up finding what you like, right? Because there's certain people that might need to try a lot of stuff and there's certain people that got lucky in the first couple things they try, they're like, oh, yeah, I like it. What would you say to, I'm sure you've had this opportunity, yeah. but say to the young youngsters, I'm only yeah. one, but uh, uh, kids graduating right? college. I, you know, I think, it's, I think it's try things and don't, um, I think following your gut. Is, a, is an important thing and 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 self-awareness is probably something that people really like what actually makes you happy and figuring out along the way I remember when I got out of college I uh, my mom always joked because you know I like to buy expensive things and you know the new hockey skates or whatever she's like you better get a good job that's what we always <laughs> said in the so uh, she was like get into sales and I was like all right I'll give it a whirl sure mom I'll listen to you and I EMC all the big ones right the classes and I got lucky enough to get introduced to this place, and the woman I met, that was my manager here, and my first five, seven years here, um, it felt very much like the rest of my experiences. Smaller, uh, more intimate, I was gonna get to talk to her whenever I wanted. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like this big bureaucratic place, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do this for a year. And now, 13, 14 years later, I'm still here. And I, I'm, so I'm just like happy, I trusted my gut, and I think that uh, people get enamored of like, I gotta live in the city, I gotta live in Southie, or I gotta move to Silicon Valley, or I gotta spend a year in Europe. And like, if that is for you, do that. But I, but just do it because you want to do it, and not because uh, you care about what other people think about you. I think that's yeah, follow your gut. That's the trap. Advice. That's the trap. So, Josh, man, pleasure. Great Thanks talking to you. Thanks for coming you. on, dude. Good luck, and I gotta, I gotta get up to Portland here. Yeah, let's do it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, man. Best of luck.